Well, hey guys, welcome to the Crossways Podcast, the podcast where we discuss ways we can walk in the way of the Lord. Jonathan Germany, and with me is my very good friend, Joshua Fowler. On the other side of the screen, I'm so glad we have virtual technology where we can come together and talk about things that glorify God. We're excited you're here. Drop us a comment. Let us know you're here as we start talking about who's your king. And we thought this would be a, a very appropriate subject matter, especially for the current culture, the current environment. We're seeing our, our country, our nation, and even personal lives and even current events all the way around the world. Who is king? And while we're before we talk, and, and Josh, I want to I want to know. I mean, how's your day going? But for those of you who are watching, why don't you go ahead and, and let us know? We have a question for you. What do you do when life doesn't go as planned? Or who do you turn to when life doesn't go as planned? Let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. But Josh, how are you doing? Man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you'll see I'm dressed all minister-like this morning. Yeah, um, I was wondering about that. We had a uh, funeral service for uh, mother, one of our members, one of our elders, okay. actually. Um, you know, it's the kind of funerals that no funeral is good, but those funerals of those who lived a long, faithful, uh, life and, you know, and died in faithfulness to God is, uh, they're a lot easier than some of the others we come across. So uh, it was a good, good, nice little celebration of life. Wonderful. And, um, it's good to see their family there. Uh, on a lighter note, you are looking at the new vice president of the Westminster Estates Homeowners Association. Oh, so you're that guy now. I am that guy now. You're that guy. Um, so they, they, the president called me last night, and he's like, hey, um, we have a vacancy for the vice president, and since you're already on the board, how would you like to fill to be the vice president? Like, so I'm guessing I'm not running against anybody because nobody wants that spot. <laughs> nobody wants to be that guy. No. So I said, yeah, man, I'll serve in that capacity. So, you know, I've been looking for ways in which I can actually serve our community through officiating and different things like that. And I've been looking for some creative ways of getting involved in our neighborhood, um, realizing that we need to do a better job about actually speaking to our neighbors more than just our next door neighbors. Definitely. So definitely. Well, I'm hoping this will provide some avenues which we can be a little service oriented there definitely and i guess on this note and i don't know if uh if this is going to show my maybe my my ignorance or maybe i just wasn't i didn't pay attention but um it was for me kind of a little unsettling but also i was like oh i wish i would have known this but i was outside i went to check the mail and i came back and i see there's this envelope stuck in the window of my car and it says holly hilter to christ and has like a return thing but no stamp so, I mean, at least they didn't break the law and, you know, sticking it in her mailbox. But I'm like, okay, well, what is this? This is odd. I don't recognize the name. So I open it, and there's this card, not like a card, but like a, I don't know, a vertical, thick, like, cardstock, you know, piece of paper <laughs> with our key taped to it. And I'm like, okay, who had our key? <laughs> or who's, like, saying, or, or who's saying, um... We're quitting attending your church, and uh, we had a key, and we want to, you know, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And I read it, and it's from, like, the Neighborhood Watch program, 
that uh, they said, thanks for letting us use your building for our meetings, but we've now disbanded, so here's your key back. And I'm like, I don't remember you guys ever using our building. And uh, maybe they did, and I just was never here when they came by. Or maybe, like, they were just super quiet because, you know, they're all watchful and they're all, like, sneaky. For those who don't know, you should probably say why you would know if they had been using it because your apartment is at the building, correct? Correct. Correct. (laughs) So so even more so, I'm like, this is more unsettling because I live here (laughs) and I didn't know you had a key to the building. And uh, But then I start wondering, man, if I did know and that I did know when they were meeting, that could have been perfect golden opportunities to connect with people around our in the neighborhood right by our building that we need you know that we need to be reaching out to but i had no idea now maybe they've disbanded for a long time and that's why i haven't seen them <laughs> but i mean you know like you said we need to it's finding creative ways that's not that might be a future episode maybe for uh behind the beards and uh, <laughs> connecting with uh, your neighborhoods around you. But we're here talking about who's king and about when life doesn't go as planned, what do you do? And uh, Josh, I, I'll ask mm. you that same question. Man, when, when, when life turns out and you're like, this did not go like I thought it would. Welcome to 2020, you... right? Welcome to 2020. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it depends for me on on the uh, on the nature of the failure or unfulfilled expectation okay yeah um, I'm really working to change this habit um, but my instinct is to eat um, and I mean like not just go get a snack but like when something kind of comes through it's like all right, McDonald's, double quarter pounder with cheese, supersized, how many fries can I stuff in my face? Um, food really is is my, I don't want to say love language. It's not my love language. Food is my my comforter yeah. that I really have to work against, right? Because the temptations just kind of fall into that. Um, and it's just a, I love food. I love eating Um it's also why I have trouble losing weight because food for me isn't just about sustenance. You know, it's an experience. The, you know, we talk about, you know, Cajun foods coming to South Louisiana may have been like the worst thing for my dietary habits because everything about our food here is experiential from the cooking to the preparing, you know, <laughs> all of these things, right? We were just I talking about this, this gumbo well. that I made. Yeah. Um, and I'm everything jealous. revolves really around food. And, um, but it's something that I really have to work against, right? When you feel that urge, it's like, okay, what is the more healthy way in which I should be coping with things that have not gone as yeah. planned? So Definitely. I'll, share, I'll, share, I'll share an unhealthy habit and then we can talk about how we can do healthy habits. Well, yeah. And I like that. But, you know, as we're, you know, for me, when life doesn't go as planned, um, I might kind of just, think about how terrible it is and I might let how whatever it didn't however it didn't go well it kind of consumes me to the point where then you don't really do anything right or you know you then overanalyze everything where then you know you're constantly worried about what could go wrong next so then you're 
trying, you know, it's, it's one thing to then say, hey, what didn't go as well? How can we do better? I do that too. You know, in fact, I, I, I try to do that with everything we do here. But sometimes if something doesn't really go the way I thought it would, or maybe it didn't get done the way I thought it should get done, mm-hmm. or maybe, oh man, this thing just flopped. Then it's the the negative thoughts. You know, I'm reading um, The Wonder Switch by Harris, and uh, Harris, you're probably not watching this, but your book is fantastic right now. I'm uh, halfway through. I'll probably finish it today just because, well, it's fantastic. And uh, But there's moments where I've had to stop reading. And uh, I didn't, I've never really had to – I've had to do that with very, very few books where, you know, I had to stop reading not because of, oh, I got to do something else, but because mm-hmm. – this was heavy, and I need a moment to process. And uh, are and there's some personal stories in there that that was part of, but there's also some observations where I'm like, oh man, that 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 hit me, you know. And too often when things don't go as planned, we like to focus on that because mm-hmm. it's almost like an addiction of negative thoughts, right? And instead of saying, man, what what's the what if possibilities that are positive that can come out of this? And we'll talk about that later on, I imagine. But as we're trying to find the security and as we're trying to find comfort, when things are going wrong and crazy and just hard to get through, sometimes prayer or going to God are almost like that Hail Mary in football. Oh, we've tried everything else. (laughs) Maybe we should have been praying, right? Maybe we should have brought God in a whole lot sooner. Are my favorite. Maybe, maybe that's not it. But maybe we have been praying all along. But instead of praying, oh man, God, I know you're in control. Help me be okay with whatever happens. We're saying, God, I know you're all wise, you're all knowing, but can you do it my way? Yeah, right. This is not what this is not what I bargained for. No. Oh, things did not go as planned, and God, you messed up because. This is not what I agreed to. Well, well, yeah. So I like, you know, your mom, your mom here said, um, you know, always talk to my husband. That's great. Yeah. Uh, that made me feel a little, little bad about, you know, what I shared, you know, and then she said, I often, but not always pray first. That made me feel kind of bad about what I shared. And then she said, and then I eat chocolate or some other sweet. I'm like, okay, that's now we're talking my language. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there are those things in those people. Um, and I'll, uh, so I'll share kind of this part of my story and then we can kind of, you know, go on to how we deal with some of those things. Yeah. Uh, when I left the car business and went into ministry, like I had, some of my expectations were given to me by people who had no clue what I was going to be going through. Right. I mean, I had people that had no clue what my salary was as as a service manager or a service consultant or a car salesman. Um, They didn't know what I made. But what they kept telling me was, you don't have to take a pay cut to go into ministry. You should expect. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But but hey, that's what I that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah, I can go do ministry and I don't have to sacrifice anything. Um. And even people who were in ministry were telling me things like this, you know, what they should have said was, you don't have to take a vow of poverty to enter into ministry. Um, 
but there are obviously going to be some sacrifices. And my mind should have known that, right? My heart should have known that. But what I heard was what I wanted to hear. And so I, I leave the car business. I go to school. And the deal I made with God was, you're going to move me closer to home. I'm not doing youth ministry. Um, and you're going to send me to a big church that can pay me big bucks to let this guy do what you made him do which is preach and preach well. And I'm going to be the king of some castle up there, living high on the hog, serving God, close to home, back in the great state of Texas. And God sent me to a little church in Kansas to do youth ministry. And I think he chuckled all along the way saying, no, buddy, you've got some things to learn. Um, and so, you know, in that moment, there was just all of my expectations were shattered. You know, I wasn't getting closer to home. I was moving further away. I wasn't preaching, which is what I was gifted at. I was doing youth ministry, which I stunk at. Um, at least I wasn't made for it. Ended up being a pretty decent youth ministry because I had to get to a place where I would just then kind of surrender and say, okay, God, I don't know what to do. So you're going to have to take over. You're going to have to show me. Um so I, I didn't feel like I was in a place where I could be fulfilled. I wasn't anywhere close to family. I wasn't making the kind of money that all of my friends had promised me I could make. Uh, we were struggling to make ends meet and looking around and going, what in the world am I supposed to do with this? Um, and I look back at that time and now I see how much God taught me in that time of humbling, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what it's really essentially what it was for me. The reason my expectations weren't met by God is because all of my confidence in that time was about me, what God had done in me, what I was going to be able to do for somebody else, how I was going to be able to perform. Um, and so little of it had to do with what God was going to be able to do in and through me. And so there was a lot of things that I had to learn. And I took the hard path. I did. You know, what does it say? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Why did he encourage us to humble ourselves? Because sooner or later, you're going to be humbled. If you don't yeah. humble yourself, he's going to humble you. And it's a lot less painful if we just do that for ourselves, you know? Absolutely. Um, and and I wonder, and um, I've taught a class on on Joseph before, and uh, it's one of my, my favorite stories and one of my favorite, oh, yeah. my favorite stories to teach because it's just so powerful because – you can pull out so many lessons, but the primary lesson really is, man, you know, our current circumstances, they don't reflect God's big picture, right? And, and I love, jo you know, Joseph here. He's in the beginning of his story. He's, he's shown all these dreams of how he's going to be great. Right. You know, man, your brother's going to bow down to you. Not only that, but now you what? The moon stars, you know, the parents are going to bow down to you. And he's telling his family this, and I picture it. As, as I do, especially because, you know, as a kid, right? Be right. like, nah, 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 look how great I am. Huh? Yeah, you guys stink, and I want to be great, and uh, you guys are going to serve me. Like that annoying little brother, right? I mean, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And maybe I'm reading into it wrong, but then whether or not all the things that happened to him were God's way of saying it's not working out the way you think it is, but he still stayed faithful to God. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, he thought, man, he was going to be big and mighty. People were going to bow down to me. And how did they end up bowing down to him? Asking for food. Right. Not in a power of, oh, you're a king. You're ruling over us. He had authority. 
But they came to him humbled at the end of the story by saying, we could die if you don't give us food. And because he went through all of that, he saved his family, who then became the nation of Israel, which fulfilled the promise back to Abraham. So God's big picture was, okay, you're going to be, you're going to, you know, serve your people. They're going to come bowing down to you. But it wasn't in the way he thought. Yeah, and, and I picture Joseph and Moses both, right, in this state. Um, like, I know little brothers can be annoying, right? And, and especially when little brothers who have been given big visions by God, I can see how that could be annoying and how a little brother wouldn't maybe handle that with the greatest amount of dignity. <laughs> grace. Um, and grace, that's right. But, you know, you see things transpire and you see it in the life of Moses as well. Like they begin to take things into their own hands. And it's like, what do you mean? It's just what you made me for. Obviously, I mean, for Moses, what do you mean? I was saved out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter, raised in Pharaoh's house, trained by Pharaoh's uh, military, educated, but able to hang on to my Hebrew heritage. My mother raised me in this house with all of this preparation. Um, if not now, then when, you know, so you can understand that perception because they see the giftedness. They see the way God has worked through other things to get them to this point. It's like, what do you mean? I got to go spend 40 years in Midian. It's like, so now you have the skills. <laughs> now you have the skills and now you need to learn the humility that's going to allow God to use those skills in his way, not in yours. Yeah. Um, and that's what I see in Joseph is, you know, you have the calling. You have the place, and now you need to learn how to surrender it to God. Yeah. Um, and when things don't go as planned, so much of that comes, at least in my life and from my experience, because my expectations are based on what I want, what I desire, and what I perceive to be the best way forward. Mm -hmm. um, and those things almost always fall short because – as much as I try, my perception is not God's. My view is not God's. My understanding is not God's. Yeah, absolutely. And and as we search for those things, it's almost like we are searching for security, our prosperity, our success. Because what's the world tell us today? If you don't have stuff or you don't have letters behind your name or you don't have some kind of title, mm -hmm. you know – that's what defines success. So if you don't have that, then then you're a nobody, you know. And we think the ultimate goal in life is having public success, when really, the goal in life is to glorify God. Right. You know, the goal in life is to become more and more to be transformed into the image of Christ. Right. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. You know. Well, hold up. What I thought I was supposed to, you know, have influence so I could help people. Well, we all have influence. Influence doesn't mean having power or having these things. And we search for, I believe, part of, you know, this thing of, you know, what things do we elevate in our lives? Well, uh, the teenage class uh, yesterday, we were, we're talking about money. And yesterday's class was money doesn't provide security. And I know those of you who are watching who are uh, financial people, you, you will you'll immediately think, well, no, money does give you security. I mean, to to an extent, right? I mean, 
Uh, that, that, that you can take that blanket statement too far, but our, ultimately our security comes from the Lord. But now, is having savings when you know your car breaks down, do we able to fix it? Did that provide you security from you know not having a vehicle working, or your AC goes out in your house, or whatever, or you know you're paying money for insurance and your house burns down, your house gets flooded. That's security. We understand, but ultimately, that's not where security from anything bad happening. It can't you know having having savings doesn't protect you from bad things happening. You know. Yeah. So I think you have two questions, right? It's yeah. one is. Does money provide security? Yep. And the answer is yes, it does. Yes. But do I find my security in money? Yes, correct. Right? I mean, so that is the difference. Is that where I go to when I really need this? Um, Do I go to prosperity? Do I go to food? Where is it that I go when I need security? All of these things provide measures of security along the way. Correct. But when I'm in that place where I am searching and seeking, what do I turn to? You know, and that is where you find that true source of, of, of Content, security. Yeah, con- and contentment. contentment. Yeah, right. and and I think a lot of it too is you know, in, in earlier the earlier lessons we had covered was all about how you know it's God's how we can this way and this way. So I think ultimately, you no, know, like I can find security in my friends. You know, they can provide some kind of security for me. Right, yeah, you know, and, and so, but ultimately, what God gave us each other to help each other. That's why fellowship is so important. That's why unity is so important in the church. Because without each other, we really aren't the church. We really aren't unified. And so, God's given us stuff. He's given us each other to be able to support each other. But if we forget that God's given us those things, and we think that we've done it ourselves. And then ultimately, we're not trying to find security in money or stuff or people. We're looking for security in ourselves. Yeah. And, and that's not going to be helpful because, well, we're human and we will fail. So we're looking at um, just kind of trying to reset and recap um, yeah. where, where we're going and where we're moving. You know, where do we find, where should we be turning to? You know, the world is going to give us all kinds of avenues of things that we're missing, of things that we need to pursue. Um, Hebrews chapter one, you know, has one of my favorite word images of Jesus. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and so he became higher in rank than the angels just as the name he inherited is superior to theirs um where are you going to turn to find security are you going to turn to the things of this world that are going to fade are you going to even turn to people in this world that are ultimately going to fail you because they're people as good-hearted and good-natured as they may be um they're human or are you going to turn to the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of God's nature who sustains all things by his powerful word? Um, just that, that image, um, to me, you know, says, man, why would I, 
why would I even want to pursue anything else? How can a McDonald's double quarter pounder with cheese compare to the radiance of the Son of God, all of God's glory, and the expression of his nature? Um, seated at the right hand of the majesty, his majesty. There is just that that mental image to me. It's what I continue to go back to. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the perfect expression of his nature. Why would I trust in anything else? Yeah. And when things aren't going my way, because I think they should be different, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature and character. Yeah. Why would I want to trust in anything else? Um, and I think it's because we we just lose sight of it. We 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 don't you know as Paul says, fix your eyes. We we've stopped fixing our eyes mm-hmm. on that radiance, because, oh man, that burger smells good, <laughs> and 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 we lose our focus. Now I'm not saying McDonald's burgers smell good, or, or taste good. So Josh, you you're you're, in, you're on your own there. Uh, after after I was served a raw hamburger at McDonald's, I just <laughs> haven't been back. And um, but I think it, it be- and true story. But I, I think it, it begs the question: Who's in charge? You know, it, it begs the question: If if that's the case, if he is the radiance, right? If he is the Son of God, if he is seated at the right hand, right, the right, the throne of the right hand of God, if he is that powerful, who's in control? Because then, I mean, you start wondering. Well, when things don't go as planned, or maybe not just maybe not just as planned, when things go badly, when bad things happen, is God still in control? Is is He still King? You know, is He still where I can find my security? Because that's when it's hard. That's when it's hardest to find comfort. And uh, and and I'll answer my own question. <laughs> but because yeah, I, I, I was going to ask you, what do you mean when you say God is in control? Yeah. And I, think know, we, I know what I mean. Yeah. But that's a phrase we hear a lot. It is so a phrase we hear a lot. Well, I, I'm afraid we've misunderstood what that means. And uh, I oftentimes use this when, when even looking at, at, at the story of Joseph, you know, but in other stories too. But let, let's go back because you and I are both familiar with South Louisiana. When Katrina hit and the levees broke, and uh, which decimated part of New Orleans. You know when Katrina hit and poor, you know Biloxi, which gets forget, which, which gets forgot about, was flattened. Mm-hmm. You know, was God in control? And sometimes we think of God in control as He's controlling all things to happen. Well, did God did He take the storm and then shift it those, you know, east uh, just before it made landfall to save New Orleans and destroy Biloxi? Uh, no. You know, he's not. So sometimes we need to understand that when we say God is in control, it's not meaning he directly is causing everything that happens in this world to happen by direct divine intervention. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, whenever one house is left untouched and everything else is destroyed in, in a tornado, is that because God said, I like this family more. I'm going to create a little bubble around this house. Um, I don't believe that's the case. You know, but why then why do bad things happen? 
And I think God being in control still means that ultimately, in the end, he's still going to be glorified. You know, ultimately, in the end, he is still the divine power that created the universe. And just like Joseph learned to do, just like we have to learn to do, it's all about how we respond to these things that are happening around us. You know, I could tell stories after stories about this, but when, when things don't go as planned, if we still show our trust in God, that creates opportunities for us to tell our story. Mm-hmm. Just like you told your story. You know, man, here's how God changed my life. Imagine if God had given everything you asked for. He gave you a big church. He gave you big job, big paying money, big paying mansion, or a big, big priced mansion. Would you have learned the lessons needed to learn? Well, well, no, you give the God directly calls no. all the things. Yeah. No, but I sure would be having fun in my boat. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yeah. yeah it, it completely, like, changes that perspective, though, right? It does. Um, and I, I think that perspective is one we need more of. How do I respond? The question I ask when I hear God is in control is, it doesn't mean that God has caused everything to happen. What it means is, so what? What's next? Yeah. You know, what comes next? I think of Jesus um, and Lazarus, right? He gets word. He's in Bethany in John chapter 11 when he receives word that Lazarus is sick. And so what does Jesus do? He stays there for four more days, right? He knows Lazarus is going to die. And then he's talking to... um, you know, the disciples, and they're like, hey, shouldn't we go see Lazarus? And he goes, Lazarus is asleep. And they're like, well, if he's asleep, you can wake him up. And he goes, no, Lazarus is dead. Come on. Aren't you with me? Um, it's like, what do you mean Lazarus is dead? And they're waiting. And then he gets there to Mary and Martha. And I think it's Martha that comes up and says, oh, if only you had been here, you could have healed him. Um, and he says, you'll see Lazarus again. And she says, yeah, I, I know we will on, on, the, on the resurrection when we're all reunited. And he says, no. You're going to see him again in just a few minutes, right? And so Jesus has this awareness of what's going on. He still feels the pain of his people. Um, They expected Jesus to come and heal Lazarus, but Lazarus is dead. And so even though they're wrestling with this knowledge that their friend has died and their knowledge that Jesus could have prevented him from dying, they still look to Jesus and recognize who he is and what he's done. Um. And so when we say, you know, God is in control, what it means is because God continues to reign as king, no matter what happens this side of heaven, my question is, okay, God, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. Where do we go from here? And how do we make something out of this? Yeah. Okay, because, I mean, God can, you know, is, you know, when we, you know, I, I like to think when we say God's in control. When something like Katrina happened, which was terrible, you know, I mean, it, it, it was it was unbelievable to, to be in, in in Baton Rouge. With I mean, Baton Rouge was not touched. Uh, you know, that was before you got down there, Josh. Yeah. But uh, the day of Katrina, I'm throwing the football outside in the front of, in in the street with my friend. The day hurricanes about to make landfall, mm-hmm. and the only reason we stopped was because yeah, we had some strong winds. Strong enough where the wind blew the football in, the, in another direction after we threw it, and it smacked me in the face. And I was like, this is not worth it. I'm going inside. You know, but that was my experience with Katrina until overnight the population of Baton Rouge doubled. 
you know, com- right. I mean, almost a, almost half a million people in Baton Rouge overnight, mm-hmm. you know, and instead of 200,000. You know, there's like half a million people in Baton Rouge. And then we're having a shelter, and I'm getting to see these lives affected or who have been affected. Mm-hmm. And you're going, man, where is God in this? And then baptism, baptism, church, church membership placement. Okay, people are going home now, except they're not. Now, hey, we want to stay here, and we want to keep worshiping with you. And there are people who are there now who were there because of Katrina. Right. And uh, and I know you know those members. And yeah, then, okay, God, uh, yeah, uh, I've seen what you've done now. I see how you took an impossible moment for anything good to come out of. And then we see people, you know, kind of bonding together. But not because of, oh, look how great we are. Man, we built all these houses. We cleaned all these church buildings. Look at all the great we did. No, it was, look how God affected these lives. And we are those instruments. So a lot of it also has to be when God's in control, saying, God, uh, I'm your instrument. You know, like Isaiah, here am I, send me. Right. You know, let me be your tool to change the world and not to get any credit. You know, if I don't get any credit, that's fine. You know, part of my personality, and Josh knows this, you know, as as threes on the Enneagram, we like to be valued. You know, we don't want to be underappreciated. But at the same time, uh, being unappreciated and being able to do stuff without people noticing are two different things. You know, or being under, you know, so I think we have to be willing to say, hey, God needs all the credit for this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just a small part in it. And it's, at least let me be a part, <laughs> right? At least yeah. acknowledge that I'm a part. And but the part, the the fuel that's igniting this machine is God. Yeah. So you know Timothy talks about Jesus in in First Timothy six or, or Paul to Timothy, in verse thirteen. He says, "In the presence of God, who gives life to all." And of Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pilate, I charge you, keep the commands. Um, you know, so when we talk about getting into this this ideal, because, I mean, the truth is we have to be willing. Can we see those things transpire? Absolutely, we can. Can we see the way God works through bizarre occurrences and happenings and even tragedies? Absolutely, we can. Um, but the catalyst for that is his people being willing to be used in a time and in a way that they don't understand. Um, you know, we've talked, you know, so much. Um, I look, man, I even sometimes even dread. I'm the administrator for our HOA's webpage or Facebook page. So I have to approve any post that anyone wants to put on there about lost dogs and kitties and who's got what for sale. But I almost dread hitting that little blue Facebook logo just to open it, right? Because we're in this time and place where, like, every other post is either political or it's a political ad. And I'm like, I'm so done because it's I, I see people who I love and respect and admire acting in ways that I don't love and respect or admire. It's like, come on. You know, so even in this time, we don't have to agree. We don't have to be on the same page about everything. Uh, but when we do disagree, can we disagree in a way that preserves our witness and our testimony about the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
right? And I and I see this in the presence of God who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you. You know, I have that reminder. You know, may my confession always be good. Um, even in these places and spaces where I disagree and maybe even disagree mightily, am I preserving my ability to have a good confession before people about the gospel of Jesus? Yeah. Um, and so practically, you know, it's remembering that if Jesus can stand in the face of Pontius Pilate, who is telling lies about him and listening to lies about him and is about to condemn him to death on a cross, if he can look at Pilate with love and do what he did, um, I've got to find a way to be better to being certain that I'm finding my security in God as my king and Christ as my king. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I feel like, and we talked about this last night in our class at Holly Hill with, uh, you know, Kurt doing a great job studying Ephesians this year. And um, we were looking at, you know, fear and persecution and do we fear too much? And and sometimes I feel like, especially in this, you know, and we're, we don't like to get political on this show. Uh, that's just not what we're here for. But we can't help but talk about a current event. I mean, it's... We're, we're, I don't know how many weeks away or days away, but we're close to an election uh, that might show my ignorance. But I know it's coming up in the beginning of November, and we're so worried that, oh no, if the opponent wins, then my life is going to be miserable. If the opponent wins, then, oh no, Christianity is ruined. And I hear that from both sides. And I think we're forgetting the fact that the church grows under persecution faster than any other time of history. Any other kind of person. You know, the church grows when good people stand up for what's right. You know, but also remind, remembering the fact that there's no person on earth that can create unity equivalent of God. You're right. You know, there's 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 no world leader. There's no local leader. There's no you know whatever person, not not a even a church leader, mm -hmm. that can provide the security needed to say they're worth worshiping. And God is the only one who who who's worthy of our worship, and He demands our worship. Right. But He's also the one of He's the Creator of the universe. And like you said in Hebrews one, right? Christ is that radiance you mm -hmm. know he he is powerful he, he's on the right hand he's of god he's all of these things that just demand our respect like you said there's a lot of people i respect i love and admire who are doing some things that i really don't admire or respect or love god i respect i admire but i worship and he does and everything he does demands our respect our admiration, our love, and our worship. Yeah, I use my delete key more this time of year, uh, this time every four, well, every couple of years when kind of elections kind of come up. I use my delete key more than ever. Like, I bought a comment. It's like, no, it's not that important. Just delete it. Let it go. I don't have to respond to everything. Yeah. I don't, you know. Uh, I have a friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that, that, that I'll just screenshot a post uh, and I'll send it, and I'll be like, I really want to say this, and I'll write out my response, 
and be like, talk me out of it because I'm about to hit post. <laughs> and, uh, and, and my friend goes, um, delete, shut the app down, <laughs> go do something else. But it's, it's, it's a good way to, that might help, right? Sometimes it's like, you know, writing that letter or angry email to somebody you're really upset about. Uh, I operate on the 24 hour rule sometimes. Uh, luckily I'm really usually not that upset, but, um, wait, right? Pray about it. And remember who's, who's still king? Who's still king? And having confidence. I think I, I just realized that word is there to find confidence in our heavenly king. You know, so right now with COVID, with our current divisive country, you know, divided, and I did use the word divisive, you know, on purpose, you know, and uh, just with the current, I guess, culture that we're experiencing, uh, maybe it's because we've stopped finding comfort. We stopped finding confidence. We stopped finding security and who really matters. And instead of trying to prove ourselves correct and superior, maybe it's time for us to work on recognizing how God is superior. So. I agree, man. It's good. It's tough, man. It's so, so tough because the messages around us convince me um, that I am the king of my life. Oh, that, yeah. That I am the master of of my circle, um, surrendering that and voluntarily becoming subject to a king is not natural for us, not as Americans, as humans. It means I you know? can't get my way. Yeah. And so just learning to surrender to that and, and recognizing that not just, not just that Jesus is king, because that is kind of distant, right? Jesus is king. No, Jesus is my king. Um, and if Jesus is my king, that means I come to the throne um, and I surrender all of my fealty, all of my loyalty, everything that, that I have is now his. And then he returns back to me as I see fit. Definitely. Um, and it is all about that, 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 that humility. Uh, mm-hmm. I from the first time I heard... I mean, I guess I always, you know, heard and conceptually in other kind of language that, you know, arrogance are thinking ourselves as, you know, being ignorant and kind of stubborn in our own foolish ways. You know, the Bible says, and the, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. I had heard that kind of language growing up. But the right. first time I heard, I am my own king, or maybe I am my own God, uh, it blew me away. And... I was. I can remember where I was. I was. Um, I used to work at a skating rink, and uh, I was the skate rental skate guard guy. So that means I had the best job in the world because I got paid to skate, which was, you know, sweet. Okay, uh, I'll skate for. T- you know, I might skate for twelve hours a day, and yes, I'm. I, I work that much, but <laughs> you know, cool. I got paid to exercise, and uh, which wasn't too terrible. But I remember talking to one of our regulars, and he he knew kind of. You know, I was big in church and stuff, and it may have even been after, you know, well, I don't remember what year it was, but I remember talking to him, and he said, you know, he basically said, I came to the conclusion that we are our own gods, and I just do what kind of what I think is right in my own life, and it was very foreign to me, Mm -hmm. and in fact, I was almost like, 
That's the most insane thing I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, what do you mean you're your own god? You know, you know that, that that's incredibly arrogant right. and foolish. But then more and more I think about it, maybe we're not bold enough or brazen enough to say those words. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the way we act, we might as well say it. Yeah. You know, because when we do wrong and we are we stubborn and we're stuck in our own ways, we're saying, I have a better idea than the than the creator of the universe. Right. It's my life and I can do whatever I want with my own life. Well, no, according to the Bible, our lives aren't our own anymore when we become a Christian. You know, Paul says what I've been crucified with Christ. It's no no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that's a hard lesson to learn because that means now it's not about me anymore. Right. As much as I want it to be. Good stuff, man. We need it all. And we uh, do. We need to remember it not just not just during this time, but it's a it's a it's a way of life, right? Something to live by. Definitely. Well, any other closing thoughts? That's it, man. Well, hey guys. Thanks for joining us here on the Crossways Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this. Those who tuned in live, thank you for watching with us. There's this fly that's been bugging me all all episode long, and I might just go crazy. So hopefully I won't go too crazy, and we'll be back here next week uh, on Thursdays. Um, If you're watching later, thanks for watching later. Thanks for always tuning in and, and giving us comments to talk about. And remember, God, Christ, is our King. Nothing else matters. These videos are brought to you by Holly Hill, Goodwood, and of course, the Ministry League. If you haven't checked out our app, check out the Ministry League app on iOS and Android devices. We have all kinds of songs, resources, and I believe we have 16 podcasts now on our network of the Ministry League network. Check it out, and as always, remember to put God first in your lives.